0: live on my screen, and this is supposed to be a podcast, and where the hell are we now?
1: Well, you're live. You're broadcasting. So here we go. Season three, baby.
0: (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) It's
2: okay.
1: Yeah.
0: I have no idea what we're doing over here. I'm super excited. This is season three. This is the first episode of season three, which is so
1: arbitrary, and I love that we can just do what we want. After like almost a year of not.
0: Yeah. Hi, how have you been? I miss you. Um, I'm glad I get to actually see your fucking face again. Can we still swear on our podcast? I don't even remember.
1: I mean, it's our podcast to do whatever you want.
0: That's but yeah, true. We're now
1: we're on and we're doing it live. Because live is better. We
0: are. So I've chosen to sit like this uh for the entire podcast because you can see me and I've been pu- I've been practicing my pose so for those who are only listening to the audio version you are fucking missing out get over on to haps we can actually interact with you on here it's got like a comment section so you can even jump in on the discussion and you can guide our discussion it's basically you playing god why aren't you here already
1: and if you want to check this out after the fact we'll probably post it on youtube and the various other socials that we have so that's great
0: We might, and by we, I mean Justin, because again, like none of this would be happening if it weren't for Justin. He's the tech whiz. I love it.
1: Can we also take in the fact that there's a giant hole in your roof?
0: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So before we (laughs) get to our special guest of this episode, can I just say, I have been on this new platform a couple of times and have taken the time to set up, I can't move my computer to show you right now, but to set up my my couch in front of my beautiful urban jungle so it looks like i've got like you know chic taste but i also just had my hot water tank replaced and there were issues people so um i figured it was more fitting for our podcast being about we're totally not okay to just say fuck it and stay at my regular workstation and there's a giant hole right in the ceiling where They just chose that they weren't going to actually patch it up after they were done their work, and they're like, bye. I'm like, well, I have hot water now, so why am I going to complain?
1: Listen, if you had to pick one or the other, I'd probably pick hot water.
0: Uh, Yeah, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Holy, do cold showers change your life?
1: Anyways, without further ado, today we have on a super special guest, friend of Kale's, Um, and filmmaker extraordinaire. Do you want to introduce more tales or are we just going to wash it into it?
0: Well, we all know that Kaylee doesn't like labels or she's afraid of them. So she doesn't like to put labels on other people and she makes them introduce themselves. However, Gavin Michael Booth is a friend of mine. He's a fellow filmmaker. I'm super excited about some of the work that he actually just released. We're going to play a trailer to his film called Last Call. And it is perfect for all of our listeners because it also has to do with mental health. We'll get into the other cool tidbits about it, but go ahead and show them. Hello? Hello? Oh, uh, sorry, sir, we're closed.
1: Okay,
2: but you're working tonight?
0: Uh, yeah, but I actually don't usually answer the phones.
1: Where did I call?
0: Gateway Career Center.
1: I've been staying at that number for a long time. I got off one of those posters. One of those, uh, you're not alone. If you need help, call this
2: number.
0: Uh. I'm sorry, sir, what do you need help with?
1: If anything happened to my boys, I would... Drink a lot? Call a help wife?
0: Yeah, I probably would. Scott, um, maybe we can talk about something else, like your daughter and maybe where she's going... you never going. think
1: about what happens when you die? Um... No, I don't really, um, like to think about that. I do. Even I'm starting to believe it. Believe what? I'm a monster.
2: Accidents
0: happen,
1: you know. No, 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 no. Don't say that. But
0: Um, it's true. You you don't get to
2: say that to me. Accidents happen. You know, it happens for a reason. God works in mysterious ways. Scott, please answer me,
0: okay? Think about Emily, okay? She doesn't want you to go. Scott, please don't know.
1: Oh god! So welcome, Gavin. On that hey, <laughs> <how>
0: <laughs> yeah. On that note, um, I mean, I've been kind of crying all day. So <laughs> we'll just let you talk about yourself and all the happy experiences of putting this together. Because holy shit, it, even watching the trailer makes me cry again. Hi, Gavin.
2: Hello, I was gonna—I was gonna like PayPal you like twenty bucks to help patch up your ceiling. I thought like maybe we could run a fundraiser or something. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, this is the second time in the past twenty minutes that someone has pitched a fundraiser idea to me for something beautifully silly like that. Justin was just saying we did an episode earlier about stalkers, and I have a new one which, Gavin, you actually
2: already know about, and so Justin, new, you attracting stalkers on the internet? I don't, I don't believe. It don't- it. Oh, get it. Like
0: what, this little gremlin is probably going to be more evil than you. Don't come at me. Right.
2: You're but, you're you're very friendly. And I think sometimes you just you you think the best of people and not all people should be thought the best of. Let's just we'll just leave it at that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, oh, I like to hold on to that. <laughs> anyway, Justin was saying that I should. Put a like a Venmo out or a GoFundMe for all of those stalkers and see what they'll give me because I'm getting nothing out of this. I will yeah, appreciate it. and theirs, but your money has gone towards this film. And <laughs>
1: uh, good segue.
0: Uh, good uh, segue, man. I, I, I mean, there are so many questions obviously that we we can address with it, and I know that you and I have spoken a lot about, mm-hmm. especially the mental health aspects. But can we start off by learning about you, the filmmaker, Gavin Michael Booth, who is back up in Canada with us for a little bit?
1: Yay. Yeah.
2: I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here in Windsor, Ontario, Canada. This is where I was born and raised just outside of here in Amherstburg, Ontario. Uh, last Call was shot here. Many of my projects are shot here, even though I've lived in Toronto and Los Angeles over the years. Uh, just always kinda come back home to make my projects. I, I love shooting in Canada. It's it's just like uh, this community, I, I wouldn't be making films if it wasn't sort of for the Windsor and Essex County community. They've opened their doors to me for, you know, discounts and favors on locations and catering from all kinds of restaurants and, and local theater, uh, community groups for acting and costumes. Like really I've been able to, get anywhere on the map in in the Hollywood industry because of the, the favors that this area has done for me. So I've come to embrace that. And uh, actually, you know, the pandemic's the thing that brought me home, but I'm super excited about it. It's not a, it's not a bummer to leave LA temporarily. It's, it's actually been pretty great.
1: Well, welcome home. That's super exciting. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You also, um, you know, you have built yourself up from the ground starting in Windsor and something that I didn't learn about you until very recently was the story about you having to ironically break your way into the Windsor Film Festival. Correct me if it's not called the (laughs) Windsor Film Festival, but I found that super ironic and I, I would love to also just give you a chance to kind of retell that story because that was motivational and weird to hear for me.
2: So when, when it's the Windsor International Film Festival, uh, WIF, and when they first came out uh, some years ago, they, they didn't include any Windsor films. And they were all about attracting films from all over the globe to, to spotlight here in Windsor, which is great, but it was less a film festival with open submissions and more of a film showcase where they were using it to drive business for local restaurants, uh, you know, tourism to the city. And all of that is fine. It's just, we live in a city that is known as the automotive capital of Canada. It's all about buying local cars, supporting the local unions, uh, buy local gro- groceries and lo- to support local farmers. And then when it came to the arts often for music and film, it was, well, let's, let's get the, the biggest and best that America has to offer and like forget the little guys. So I kind of was bummed out the first year. And I said, okay, and they said, well, maybe next year. So the second year rolled around and I went and I said, well, okay, how do I, how do I put a film in? I've got a film. And they, they, the organizers told me once again, well, you know, we're not going to focus on local films, you know? And I just, I said, politely, I already had an idea in my head. I said, politely, if you don't include local films, you're going to regret it. It doesn't have to be my film just anything local, show short films. show music videos, like do something for the local filmmakers, give them a discount on passes so they can actually mingle with professionals in the film industry and try to get outside of Windsor. And you know, if you're, if you're gonna have a career in film, you're probably not going to do it in Windsor, you're gonna have to go to Toronto, but everybody starts somewhere, you know, get a little bit of work under your belts and then move, move on. So, um, Navin, who you know, Navin Ramaswaran and I had a film called Do Not Disturb back in the day, And I used that opportunity to found the F.U. Windsor Festival, which stood for filmmakers, unite Windsor. So (laughs) nobody else was going to show our films. We would say F.U. to the city and show our own films. And we put up about two or three thousand posters overnight. We taped them to every light post and then storefront door that we could and caused a bit of a ruckus that uh, ended up helping us sell out our film and draw a lot of attention to the fact that the festival wasn't including local films. And then the next year. I got approached to help with they were organizing a 48 hour filmmaker challenge. and starting to include the local filmmakers. I was not very well liked by the, the board. Windsor, Windsor is a very small community. has a very long memory for things and doesn't really like anything that's sort of like stunts like PR and and seen as bolsterous. So it took all the way until 2019 with this film, Last Call, to actually get invited to partake and screen a movie at the festival. So it's come full circle many years later.
0: So, just everybody hold on to that. uh, What I think could be your catchphrase. You know, if you don't let me have a film in this festival, you're going to regret it. Basically, (laughs) if you don't let me do blank you will regret it is how I understand you. And you seem to have uh, you have some people in the chat here. I don't know if you've noticed along the left hand side for audio. Hello from Windsor. Yeah. We have guests from Windsor who are chiming in. That's awesome. So full circle, about full circle.
2: Yeah, maybe my neighbor. I don't even know. I don't know my neighbors here yet. It's been COVID.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just might be. Well, there you go, Luke. Now, you know, one of the, you know, the FU founder. Over in <laughs> Windsor, And Windsor is, um, you know, you mentioned Navin, and that's how we met. Windsor is the town in which we ended up meeting. Uh, for our listeners, I don't think I've ever mentioned this before, but uh, I was in a movie theater with our fellow friend Navin. I don't remember what movie we were watching. And it, so it was before the movie started. I had my cell phone out, and I received a text message or some sort of message, maybe social media Um from this guy named Gavin Michael Booth who uh said that he got my name from a casting director, I believe Ashley Hallahan, and saying, Correct. uh, okay. you know, I'm doing I'm shooting a music video tomorrow. Can you get on the first train out of Toronto and come to Windsor to be in the music video? And essentially wanted me to play a character who ODs and like sad about a breakup and ODs. I'm like, get this guy joking about it to Navin. And it was just the luck of the fates that I was there with Navin and him saying, "No, that's a really good friend of mine, and he's a great filmmaker, and you can trust getting on a train at six a.m. tomorrow. Go do it; it'll be a great experience." So I did. I went and I OD'd, not for real, obviously. Um, and uh, well, I mean, who, who can never be sure? But it was so, it was so fateful, and it was so fun. I love the way that we met, and I'm so glad. Ever since, you know, I, how many years has it been now?
2: 10, 11, Yeah, it's been it's been about, about ten years.
0: No, that makes me feel older. came no, okay, I take that question back. Anyway, let's go back to your film.
2: But I'm 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 trying to actually load the video into into the comments, and it won't it won't it won't uh, get past the previewing the video. So I'm trying I'm trying to share this music video that you were in.
0: Oh my god! <laughs> again, talk about the luck of the fates. I feel the gods are protecting me from having to watch myself go through an O.D. process again. Oh, here it is. There it
2: is. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Very cool, Justin. You're gonna have to pull that <laughs> off. You can share that on our phone <laughs> I, I, I have
2: a knack for telling stories about mental health. That seems to be something that I that tell I tell us more
1: I, about. I gravitate that. towards. But. Yeah, how did you actually end up gravitating towards that? And how I guess we're here to talk about the last call too. How did that actually culminate in this project, or not culminate? Obviously, you're still I, making films, but you, I think I, I think I'm
2: you know, morbidly obsessed with the the dark side of humanity, be it it serial killers, be it mental health stories. Um, And I I don't, it wasn't, it was never intentional to have it go that way. It's just more of an observation looking back post last call, but last call specifically David Wilkins that co-wrote the film with me, stars in the film and produced it with me. uh, It's his core concept. He came to me and he had worked on a couple single take uh, music videos. I, I guess I should explain to people that Last Call is shot in a true single take and split screen, so you're watching two sides of a story unfold without any edits or hidden cuts for the entire duration. So he had been in a music video for me for this uh, artist called Us, the duo. They, they were famously on America's Got Talent and and, and had a, have had a big social media following for years. But they, we did their Christmas music video, which uh, David from my call played Santa Claus and uh, he's surfing Santa in this one-take video. And we were meeting fairly regularly, almost once a week to talk about ideas we could write together. We knew we wanted to make something together. He said, so I have this idea of a man calling a suicide hotline and if we shot it in a single take, it, it could be really neat. And he, he was looking to uh, get more dramatic acting under his belt and get a film produced. Uh, and it was, it was like lightning for me. I just heard the idea of like, that's it. This is the next thing I have to make. Uh, it quickly evolved into being a stranger on the other the other side of that phone call, uh, because chatting with a friend of ours, Katie Featherstone, who David had sort of been inspired to write the story about. Katie's most famous for the Paranormal Activity movie. She's she's the lead in that that scared scared the heck out of the whole planets, uh, but Katie had just become a volunteer crisis line worker and was helping us develop the story and and. and uh, but we, we quickly learned that you know mental health workers, volunteer workers, a lot of those calls are done roughly 20 minutes in that you've either agreed to be safe and disconnect the call yourself or they can send a EMS worker or a police worker to your house to do a wellness check if, if you're not, not feeling completely stable. So our movie was going to end 20 minutes in no matter what we did. And it started to get a little silly where we're like, well, what if there's a snowstorm and nobody can get the police car out to that, that neighborhood? And we just thought it's not the one thing we didn't want to do is be disrespectful to the topic of mental health and to suicide and to what these workers do. So we kind of like put the project aside for a little bit and then it, it hit us of what if it's a what if it's a complete stranger on the other side of the phone. Our character of Scott has been drinking and, and taking pills. So for him to misdial by a digit would be easy. And that became the setup. And then that just freed us up to tell the story we wanted to tell and have somebody on the other side of the phone that is kind of like us in the audience that might not know what to say all the time and might not know how to uh, handle such a call should we ever receive one.
0: And that person who plays that perfectly (laughs) represented us on the other end of the phone is your wife, Sarah, who is an incredible actress and I wonder if you might elucidate us with a little bit of information about her, and maybe even particularly how you ended up with the specific shot that you have, and uh, the the take that you chose, and some of the, I guess, roadblocks um, and hardships that you experienced doing a one take film with uh-huh. an incredible actress like that.
2: Uh, I mean, I I saw her do a play in Toronto that that we produced. She, you know. Acting is tough. Getting on casting directors' radars is tough. So Sarah had the idea of putting on a play in Toronto and taking a challenging piece of work and staging it so that she could get the attention of casting directors. And that was a play called Blackbird, which I don't know if you've ever read or seen. Very dark play. It's a, it's a single take, like one act play. There's no scene breaks. There's no uh, intermission. It's just a very intense two hours between these two actors. So not unlike the setup of Last Call, so I'd seen her do that and knew that she'd be, she'd be great for this. And, and if you watch TV, you've probably seen Sarah on Law & Order. She had a, an amazing uh, guest star on season 18, episode 12, if I remember correctly. She's been on Helix for the Sci-Fi Network, American Horror Story, small roles on SWAT. Um, she's in my film, The Scare House, that was put out around around the world. So she's out there hustling and sometimes slums it in my, my indie projects like Last Call. Um, <laughs> She, you know, both her and David come from a theater background. So, you know, trusting two actors to pull things off in a single take, that's what you want. People you know that can bring it, not have to, you know, act- acting's tough in 30 second chunks, acting's tough in five minute chunks. But asking two people to run the full gamut of emotions for, for nearly 80 minutes, it's you're, you're asking people to go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl every time that you roll the camera versus just play the game of football. Uh, so I, I knew that they were the right people to do it. Uh, we were working with a very limited budget, very limited rehearsal process. We had 10 days to rehearse and get everything correct and only four days to film the movie. Um, there is technically a better take of the movie that exists. But uh, Sarah, who's not within earshot to hit me over the head right now as I tell this story, um, there the take that is technically better she said one word incorrectly, which actually uh, made the whole take unusable. Uh, she says the name of a character that she hasn't learned the name of the character yet. She was supposed to say daughter, but said the name Emily before uh, the Scott's character had told her the name of his daughter. And, and, and the camera was just right here on her face at that moment. So that meant the entire take, no matter how perfect everywhere else, that was it. It was out the window, but that's kind of the risk and part of the thrill of doing things in a single take, it can be something that small that derails it. Just the fact, the fact that we finished the movie at all on the budget and the timeline that we had is, is sort of a minor miracle, but um, it's, that, it's that urgency and sort of raw approach and lack of prep
1: in many ways that makes the film feel authentic. So what actually was the rehearsal process for that kind of thing? Obviously, if you're doing it in one take, I I imagine you guys probably rehearsed it like you would with a play where you kind of rough things out in a space and then eventually you get the cameras in and then eventually you start rolling. But how did that actually look for you guys and how did you kind of tackle those challenges?
2: We would split, our first three days were split between the two locations. We would rehearse everything on Beth's side of the story in the afternoons and then earlier in the day in the mornings, we would rehearse everything on Scott's side. Uh, and just do the blocking. But what was great is we could film every single rehearsal. And at the end of the day, I was able to edit together a very like loose, rough version of that split screen. So Mm -hmm. I could see where people were placed. And then we could make adjustments to lighting, make adjustments to uh, sound, because, you know, I had to make sure we found ways that as they sit down and stand up and move around that the microphones aren't rubbing under their clothing, there was nowhere to put uh the traditional boom mic and somebody with a pole we were just going to see it in the background or in shadows or reflections all the time so it was sort of all teams were using the rehearsals to just kind of get better and better at it so very much like a stage play just you know getting it on its feet until we could get into like sort of full dress rehearsals and uh just tweaking every day using those rehearsal takes And, uh, kind of like the way, again, like a football coach would be able to watch the game afterwards and analyze the plays that they made and figure out how to have better defense and and better offensive plays. Um, but that became, that became our key to sit around like a team at the end of every night and, and figure out what we could change to make it better.
0: We have a question in the audience asking the whole take is a locked split screen.
2: Correct. Um, it is. So we had two different camera crews in two different parts of the city, one on Beth's side of the story, one on Scott's side of the story that are filming simultaneously that make up uh, that entire movie. So, yeah, nothing, nothing short of a miracle that, that it, that it works.
1: <laughs> did you actually film that simultaneously or did you have the actors on the other end of the phone just or behind the camera reading the lines to fill in those gaps or how did that actually work? They're they're acting over the telephone. The whole thing is is one live organic movie. Um,
2: we could, I technically we could have filmed one side and then make the second actor memorize every little nuance and timing piece, but that just seems highly unfair and would have yeah. robbed some of the authenticity of the. Uh, so it is like a stage play. They're just on two different stages and two different parts of the city that are happen to be happen to be connected. It wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't really be much different than like a band being broadcast live via satellite into the Grammys for a night because they can't be there in person or something, yeah. you know, it's just a lot more, a lot more technical challenges to it. We have a, we do have a little like four minute making of video on YouTube. If you typed in last call making of Gavin Booth, it would probably come up and that, that gives you a, a better visual sense of how it was put together.
1: Cool. we well, definitely- if I can find that. On that. <laughs> Sorry, Justin. What were you saying? I'll definitely, I'll find the link and I'll put it in the show notes when we post this on the podcasting places.
0: Perfect. Yeah, you were mentioning that because it was a uh, locked split screen, and you didn't have one of the actors have to memorize and just play off of what they saw another actor do. Um, that you even had roadblocks on the other side. Uh, I think with technical difficulties with the phone that a call wasn't going through because you were doing it through a phone. What happened there?
2: The take that we used has mistakes in it, but mistakes that the audience won't see due to a a genius bit of improv on uh, David Wilkins, the actor's part. We, his apartment, he's supposed to be sort of stuck in the past. His character is is a very unhappy Seth that's been long unemployed and just lives in this low rent apartment. And part of that, just also for the aesthetic reason, if people are going to talk on the phone. We didn't want to use cell phones because you can't trust a cell phone signal to stay connected for more than twenty minutes. Uh, so we use landline phones, those things that all of our parents had back in the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, David's was a rotary phone, the, the classic old, you know, dial, dial, and wait, dial, and wait. So a rotary phone can't connect to an extension. It can dial a number, but you can't. If something needs a three-digit extension. It doesn't work. So where Sarah's character Beth works as a night janitor is St. Clair College here in Windsor. So we had to dial an extension. So David, you know, live live in the movie would dial the number for the place, but when he would get connected, we had somebody hidden in another room on a touchstone phone that would hit the extension. And it didn't go through. And at this point, we're 25 minutes into it, into a take. And it, did, it didn't work. So that should have meant we would have just cut, restarted, and went again. But David, knowing that his face was on camera, kind of did this. Like, put his hand in front, of, and he, he pretended to scratch his beard. And he said, Gavin, the call didn't go through. What do you want to do? And I'm like, just dial again, dial again. We'll pretend it was, like, a, a misdial. Then, so then he hung up and kind of, like, righted himself for a second, picked up the phone, and dialed again. And we were able to just, with some ADR, work it into the movie, that that first phone call that he's misdialed, and it goes, it's Adrian Ellis, our composer on the other end of the phone saying, hi, you've reached Ellis Mechanical. We're not open until 9, 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, but please leave a message. And he looks at it kind of confused and hangs up. So it worked, it worked perfect for a story about a man who's supposed to be too drunk to have dialed the correct number in the first place. But genius, genius save on David's part to not, uh, not blow the whole movie
0: well speaking of genius and you know just to add another level of meta to how one take you went with all of this i think you know where i'm going with this your composer adrian another friend of ours he Mm -hmm. oh please talk about the geniosity if that is a word about how he put together because of a joke it started off because of a joke and he ended up doing the composition for this film the score in one take as well
2: I, a, yeah, Adrian Ellis, he's composed everything I've done since about 2012, 2013. Like, love this man's music, destined to be scoring Disney movies and, and Marvel movies. He, you know, when when I told him what the film was going to be, I yeah, I usually talk to Adrian on a regular basis as a friend, and I said, hey, this is the thing we're doing next, so kind of get your brain in gear. And he joked, he said, well, you're going you're gonna to have to do this I'm going to have to do the music live in one take just to keep up with you guys. And it was kind of like a haha. But then the day we wrapped production, the the local Windsor um, news station, CTV Windsor interview me and you know, how did you make the movie? How did it go? When are we going to be able to see it finished? Anything else you want to tell us? Said, yeah. The music will also be done live in a single take. And uh, they aired that. So I sent Adrian the news clip and just, you know, waited for the, waited for the fury, which he, he quoted back to me, the, uh, the Bill O'Reilly meme from from his famous breakdown on TV, like, fuck it, we'll do it live, <laughs> do it live! Uh, and then that became the challenge, he accepted the My Gauntlet challenge, and uh, we figured out a way to do the, to do the score live, so on a, on a separate day for production, uh, in we actually brought in a live audience of school kids, of high school kids and college kids that were interested in the arts to sort of bear witness to him recording the score live and getting an understanding of how movie scores are are written and composed. So we did that in uh, early February. We shot in September, 2018. We did the music early February because our premiere was short, shortly after that.
0: Um, are you allowed to talk about what your next plans are that I'm assuming you're also going to be using Adrian for? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm allowed to talk about them, but I won't. Uh, So I I have another wild sort of idea that I don't think has ever been attempted in history that we can confirm. So I'm, I'm, uh, I keep, I keep hoping that every time I complete one of these things, it'll be like, all right, I've done it. I've taken the ultimate challenge as a filmmaker. Now I'll just go back (laughs) to making Christmas movies and Lifetime (laughs) movies about women.
0: If I I I get finished,
2: and it just. Creeps in and I go, oh no. I feel, but I honestly, though, the one that I feel robbed of, I have said for years, like since I was in high school, I want to be the first filmmaker to direct a scene in actual outer space. And now Tom Cruise and the director of The Born Identity are beating me to it. So, you know, well, don't ever let anyone tell you that money and power can't buy you the things you want in life.
0: I don't think that they have anything on you. We will, I guess, let that hang in suspense for people to just keep an eye on the next projects that you're going to be coming up with. But I have known you as somebody who always, I don't think you're going to get to that point, first of all, where you're just happy making made for TV Christmas movies. Not (laughs) There's anything against them because I audition for them all the time. But... You, I've said to this, I have said this to you over the phone a couple of times now. I think even just in the past week that you belong in the Guinness Book of World Records because of the different sorts of approach that you take to filmmaking. And there was a comment that just uh, went by I saw, hashtag, you didn't learn in things you didn't learn in film school. Gavin, if there's anybody out there that fits this hashtag more appropriately, I'll probably just go take them out because you're the only one that I want in that category. And I literally was just telling the story of the Periscope uh, film that you made. Again, just being that guerrilla style filmmaker, project maker that you are, pushing boundaries, but also in ways that are... Uh, understanding how new platforms say like this not that I'm giving anybody ideas please don't but uh, new platforms coming up and your immediate thought is well how can I do something differently because obviously these app makers are they already have their ideas they're listening to the feedback from their users and most users if you think of the general distribution model most users that are even early adopters are those who come on and just go okay you tell me how to use this thing that's not how you work you find something and go Great, you're gonna fit me and my ideas, and we're going to create a third, a tertiary entity that no one else saw coming. I wonder yeah, if technology you want to talk
2: is to you. exciting to me. All all the VR and, and Choose Your Own Adventure and then 3D, whatever it might be. I, I always try to think, you know, if all filmmaking comes down to good storytelling. It has to be a good script, you know. You can easily take any new technology or platform and make a gimmick project. But I think it's like trying to figure out, do I have a story to tell with it? And a lot of it is just the excitement of trying something new. Um, and, and I figure if I'm gonna experiment with something, I might as well try to wrap it into like at least a short, if not a feature. But I think there's, uh, yeah, yeah, new technology always, always excites me and I, I think uh, when I saw Periscope, I thought uh, somebody should do a live Blair Witch-style, like like found footage movie. I should I should make that movie, which technically makes us eligible for the Guinness Book of World Records. We've just never filed because it's pricey. Because it was the world's first live broadcast movie. So you you already have your wish, Kaylee. I'm I'm I'm, t- I'm in the unofficial yet to be published version of the book.
0: Well, speaking of unofficial published versions <laughs> or lists. Uh, <laughs>
1: yeah. You know what uh, good segue. Segue. <laughs>
0: Yes. You know what segue is coming because we're going to address the title we've given this episode. We've called it almost Oscar with Gavin Booth. And <laughs> I, I would like, I can't even tell you how excited I was when you texted me. I started running around my apartment, tears in my eyes, because—and this might still be a possibility. Who knows? But there is um, I, how do you how do you put it? It's a list of films that I guess the board for Oscars is taking a look over to determine which ones. It's are going the to short.
2: It's the short list of what's eligible for Oscars this year, particularly Best Picture. Now this year what particularly short because streaming is included now so there were 366 movies on that list but i'll I'll just tell you how my experience went i woke up i took a nap you know shame on me for like needing an hour nap in the afternoon you know Uh, i I tend to work pretty late but during that one hour i took this nap um my manager had tagged me on facebook as like oh my god congratulations to my my client gavin booth and sarah booth and David Wilkins on *Last Call* making the Oscar shortlist, and, and there's the cover of the *Hollywood Reporter* with the the article title, and then a screenshot of the page where it's got all the movies alphabetical, and *Last Call* a circle. So I, I'm flabbergasted, thinking like, well, how did this even happen? But there are certain we were at film festivals for a year. There are a lot of film festivals that are Oscar qualifying, so just by playing in there, you're in consideration. But again, I've never I've never thought to submit a film of mine. I have no idea what's going on. And long story short, um, you know, so there's this hour of just chaos of like, okay, calling David, my, my co-producer, like we got to hire a publicist. Like, well, they're expensive. I don't care. I will drain my bank account right now. Like if this film, if I, you know, when you make an indie film, it's next to impossible to get anyone to watch it. Um, you know, it, it's kind folks like you running podcasts that are willing to talk about it and tell the world about it. That slowly but surely you build a small audience. If you can be in the running for the Oscars, that could change everything, especially with us as this little $50,000 one take movie. We some publicists could spin that into some great press, uh, but come to learn very quickly after that, there's another movie called Last Call that was released in the same year that happens to star one John Malkovich, some untalented hack from yeah. for the, the, maybe it was in a movie or something before, but apparently he's the Oscar nominee. Or not. So yeah, it was a it was a fun hour of knowing how I would feel should it ever actually happen to me, but uh, a fun a fun little mishap, and uh, and and then and then just a lot of uh, a lot of whiskey to commiserate later. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was just about to ask you how you cope, but I mean, I guess I should have guessed because. We've been we've we've done the whiskey.
2: <laughs> honestly, a, a lot of it was a little bit of a relief because we were we were so underprepared or had no idea how to even like run an Oscar campaign. So there there was a big relief of like, okay, this isn't going to take. Like, because I felt already as soon as I read it, if it was us, I was like, we're so unprepared. We we've already lost ground, and I didn't know how we were going to make up for that. So part of me was honestly just a big sigh of relief, like, whew, I can just go back to promoting my movie as I know how to do
0: so that is um, that that particular sensation is something that i guess has been on my mind um probably on all of our minds no matter what we're creating that little hurdle to get over the fear the fear of creating something of putting yourself out there of being vulnerable in so many different aspects you know me as an actress as a writer in particular, to put your ideas out there as a filmmaker, because th- you're attaching your name to something that is so potentially moving on on that kind of a level. Um, I, again, coming back to the idea that, that you are a guerrilla style filmmaker, that you have never seemingly allowed fear to, oh geez, there is insanity happening outside my window. I apologize for that's that is the reaction that the world has to the the fear. You know, that's what happens inside. The noise of fire trucks is what I hear. And I've never really seen that from you. I've been on set with you and I've hung out with you and I know these stories about you. And uh, I, I wonder, especially when it comes to the hashtag things that you didn't learn in film school, do you have tricks of your own tool belt, your own trade that you might be able to share I guess particularly because we talk about mental health and and being able to overcome those hurdles what gets you through aside from whiskey I have
2: I have I definitely I do have those doubts and fears but it's, it's earlier in the stages it's at the idea phase where I I'm, I'm I can be quite good at talking myself out of even attempting ideas um so I just have to get past that initial step and then my number one trick that I've, that I've learned that I do well is I, I tell when I know what my next project is going to be, I tell everybody because then I fear more the embarrassment of not completing the project after having put it out there so publicly than, than what happens if, if people just simply don't like the movie. But part of it, part of it I found, and this is all in, in hindsight, there was no magic trick moving into it, but it was just keeping myself so continuously busy that I couldn't, I didn't have the time to care about what every project's attention was getting. So at one point around the time I met you Kaylee, I was doing some 40 music videos a year. So that's like one every week in a few days. And there's no time to care what people thought of the last one or sit around and reflect on it because it was just, we were already shooting the next one or editing the next one. And it was just sort of constant output. So being, kind of not being like a one trick pony. Like if you only have one movie in your head and then you're going to put it out there and wait till you read every last review and then sit sit around and analyze that before you move into your next thing. I think that's the wrong way to do it. Again, I don't I don't play sports. I've maybe seen a sports game on TV once, but like I imagine that like you can get to the Super Bowl and be the team that loses And the next day you have to wake up and just go back to training to get back in the game and try to do better the next year. So like, I think athletes always have the best example of what it takes to kind of play the game and in filmmaking or acting or being a musician, I don't know why it would be any different. You have, so what, you have a bad show, have 20, 20 more shows booked so that you just, you're forced to get through it. Stand-up comedy is probably a great example. You're probably going to suck, you know, the first little while out there and be, be awkward and not be very memorable or even feel like your jokes are original but you just it's a muscle you have to exercise so i've just learned to stay overwhelmingly busy and always have projects coming out so that i can't dwell on them i can't think about it you know like last call is out and release now but i've already shot another feature that we're in post on i have four short films out at festivals right now it's just trying to stay stupidly busy that i can't i can't stop to think or reflect i think that's my real my real strength is is because uh, maybe maybe if i did have those quiet moments and sat down and really thought about it or only had one or two projects on the go that sort of creeping creeping sadness and doubt could could kick in but uh so so far i mean and i, I honestly feared with the pandemic i'm like man if i can't shoot anything for a whole year what's going to happen is this where it all catches up with me but even even through the pandemic i managed to pull off a few small projects and kind of keep going <laughs>
0: Like I said, you're not the film- filmmaker that I ever see stopping. And that's part of, I mean, I, I know that you and I have shared similar <laughs> conversations that I share that resonance. I had a very similar situation yesterday. Um, I was in a clubhouse room <laughs> there, There's <for> okay. closer, <laughs> and I was put on the spot immediately by a couple of, by a big exec. I was in a room with people that I was looking for some, you know, from some guidance and I was put on the spot to sing a song and I was not expect. it was, my fingers went cold. My toes went cold. I'm
2: like, was it Tony me. by
0: chance? Sorry.
2: Was it Tony? Kay? No. By chance? No.
0: It was Brian. Um... Oh, what's his last name? Raider. Raider, yeah. And he has such a welcoming room, but like I just wasn't expecting that. And I I won't get into the story as to why, but he delightfully and graciously gave me the space, aka put me on the spot, to sing. And the feeling, like I I did, I, I sang a couple of lines and I'm like, I don't even remember the lines to this song. And it was such a strange feeling that I ended up... Um, my way of dealing with that, because I couldn't shake it. I mean, I went on and had a great conversation with them and got some great feedback about things I was mulling over for my film. And I I couldn't shake the feeling that I, I had to go out for a run afterwards and then got a message from Revolution, who also has a show on HAPS, He's mentioning that there was an International Women's Day uh, marathon that HAPS was putting on and invited me on. And I'm like, absolutely, I'm going to go on. And then I got myself in the same situation and I just sang. And I'm like, I, you go harder at it. You pick a song that is even longer. You pick something that's out of your range and you force yourself to... You, you kind of... Yeah. A, a sadistic way almost uh, but you have done so much maybe because you have that kind of character and um you've also mentioned we have a two truths and a lie game that we're gonna play and you've mentioned mm. some things that to be honest when i was reading your two truths in a lie i couldn't tell which one was the lie because you've done so much <laughs>
2: that's good that's good
0: Yeah, I I think we figured it out. Justin and I were talking about it, and-
2: I also, but to be fair, I forget everything right after I write it, so I don't remember the, I think I remember one of them, so it'll be
1: interesting if I can even tell
2: which ones, which
1: ones. You want me to read them for you? (laughs) Sure. Okay, so your two truths that you sent us was, number one, you flew private to Vegas to hang out with Jared Leto and Kanye. Number two, you made an entire feature film for $500. And number three, Michael Bay told you that he loved your film, but it would never really work for all the money in the world.
0: I wonder if any of the audience members want to guess which one of those are the lie. We, oh, we've we got an LOL award, so I think they're laughing at all of those, Gavin. They're, I think it's a trick question. And number one, we have a guest from... Uh, Oh, someone's guessing number one, and someone's guessing number two. So somebody thinks that they, you did not fly a private jet to Vegas and asked uh, and hung out with Jared Leto and Kanye. And then somebody else thinks that it was that you made an entire feature film for $500. I, you know what, that one, that one was a given. Of course, I, I think that you have made a, an entire feature for $500. Is that right? Is that true?
2: That one's true. That's the film that David and I made together. We did the whole thing for in shot it in five days. We did all the posts ourselves. And the only thing we spent money on was catering for those five days.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's and- awesome, right? You're getting a well done from the audience. Justin, you had a great rationalization as to which one you think is
1: a lie. So the minute I saw Michael Bay and that it wouldn't work for all the money in the world, I thought that that was the lie because no, no Michael Bay would stand and be like, you can't make this for all the money in the world. He would totally just A have all the money in the world and B be able to make it with all the money in the world. So I think that one's your lie. That's my that's my guess. That that one that one is the lie, but his
2: partner at Bay Films Platinum Dunes actually did tell me that thing. It just wasn't Michael himself. It was his producing partner, Bradley. (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) I knew there was going to be some kind of caveat because that's what I said. I'm like, he's trying to pull the wool over our eyes because I think that all three of these are true. Number
2: number one is cheeky too because I did I did fly private to Vegas for the iHeart Radio Awards because I was working with. Third Eye Blind and Demi Lovato that were performing together that night. And we did get to hang out with Jared Leto and Kanye because they were all there performing as well. But I didn't I didn't specifically fly private to go hang out with, with Kanye and Jared
1: Leto, just to be clear. Listen, <laughs> we have
2: Pablo in the audience
0: we have Pablo in the audience saying that he got b- bamboozled because he he did basically win on that, too. You were being cheeky. Yes, Pablo, you <laughs> did win. And I think we're all winners because Gavin is lying about all of them. He's manipulating yeah. tiny little words.
2: <laughs> I, tell, I tell stories for a living. I can't help it. Yeah. <laughs> But hey wait if i tell three lies instead of two that means next step is i'm president of the united states right that's how it works <laughs>
0: hey first of all we have also just for the
2: audience just in case you can't see it clearly let me hold up to the camera that is not the hat that
1: you think it is yes
0: yeah i'm glad we made that distinction yeah
1: good
0: we have uh we have somebody that I respect now. I'm I'm Canadian, so I I, I just consider myself kind of a um, a, a, nomin- a self-nominated U.S. citizen since a lot of my work is down there too. But I am very happy that that's over, and I can forgive your visual reference to the past four years. My heart's okay because it says I'm taking it
1: back. I'm taking it back.
0: <laughs> We're taking everything
1: back. Well, actually, living in LA, you mentioned that you were in LA, Gavin. Did the presidency actually affect any of the projects you were working on? Nothing affects me. I'm a
2: broke independent artist, so really it doesn't change my landscape at all. <laughs> but like, it was, it you know, it was, it was, it was a little rattling at times. I call it interactive TV. I'd be watching like the local, you know, Fox or NBC news, and then you you'd be, it'd be a helicopter shot of like a Black Lives Matter protest. Yeah, I'd look off my balcony like. I wonder if that's the smoke. Yep, that's the helicopter. The helicopter's circling my building now that's actually broadcasting live to TV. So it was a, it was a little too close for comfort sometimes, but never never in immediate danger. Didn't encounter too much, um, not too many Karens. I would see videos of Karens and the Trader Joe's and things near me that were having political rants and things, but uh, fortunately didn't witness anything uh, direct. Yeah. You know?
0: That's good, but you still made a wise choice, I think, coming back up to Canada for a little while. I, I did a similar thing of being in the city for I think I sat in my box of an apartment staring at the four walls by myself for about four or five months. I'm like, what am I doing? And I'm just the the kind of insanity that even was in the streets of Toronto mm-hmm. was not I, I didn't feel safe. And I feel super grateful that I was able to take another little bit of a step westwards closer to you. And I'm still planning on to come and visit you whenever we are able to, you know, get vaccines and feel comfortable and or bubble ourselves or whatever we end up shooting. But it's nice to know that, you know, I had a couple of friends who were down, you know, Christian Brun as well. So who were down in LA and decided to make that choice that just we live in a digital world now. There are so many more opportunities to connect. Even now, you being in Windsor still, we're, we're, we're here and we're connecting on these sorts of platforms. And we're also pushing ourselves to find different ways to tell stories that are more in tune with the zeitgeist that has been created in our world today.
2: There's a, there's a short story that I was at the time forced to read in ninth grade called The Machine Stops. I forget who wrote it, but the idea is that, you know, the planet surfaces, that climate change has ruined everything. Uh, humans live underground, but everybody lives in their own little like cubicle and only video chats with each other and never gets to see each other in person. It's like, I think about that story a lot as technology has been going on, but then the pandemic hit and it's like, Oh, we're, we're doing this. This is what, this is what we're living through right now. This dystopian story that I read came true. And that, that, that's scary about how many authors like are able to predict. The future, or even James Cameron predicting like Skynet and the internet and how we'd all be connected. Um, Yeah, but the digital world for film, you know, there's also a lot of theories going around that you won't ever have to be in LA to audition again. You won't be punished being an actor for not being in LA, Um, you know, because typically if you want to be on those big shows and all the American things, you have to live in LA, you have to go in person. But I think people are gonna be so comfortable with Zoom auditions or Skype auditions or self-tapes where the actor submits their tape um, at, on their own, at their own leisure, that, that will become part of the norm, the acceptable norm.
0: Yeah, and I have, I mean, I think that it is also a double-edged sword. Like I mentioned, I've been now experiencing situations where you know, I used to be so comfortable going into the room, into the physical room, and I loved auditioning, and I still very much do this now, I don't know if you can hear the madness of more fire trucks going by. I ourselves. think it's best to just take,
2: like, we're in 2021 now, you just ignore it and play it like normal, like kids running around in the background of CNN reporters and stuff. It's just, it's just all part of the show now. Yeah.
0: Maybe you can, but I can't. And I mean, it was perfect timing for me again to, to recognize that that is how I feel going into now Zoom auditions and to recognize how I, it was off putting for me. I, I don't, I had to relearn what was making me nervous about walking into the virtual room now and realizing that um I need to also let go of lighting. I need to now let go of camera setup. I need to like all the stuff that we didn't typically as an actor have to handle walking into an audition room that we just, we had to do our work. Well, now we have to also be able to wear all of those other hats and understand the new world in which we are performing and auditioning and, and interviewing for our jobs. So it can go across any industry, but um, there is also a... Beautiful upside to being able to connect with, you know, my sister over in Europe in Crystal Clarity, which I love, and you get to FaceTime with your little pup, which was your cool thing. We do a segment on here called One Cool Thing, and typically it's something that uh, for those who haven't heard it on our our show before, It's something that can be absolutely anything. We do love actionable things for people to understand how they can either become more involved in organizations that help with awareness about mental health, or it can be something that you do for yourself, uh, in which we've talked a lot about. You know, your work stands on its own as cool things that do offer that kind of in. What's that?
1: I was saying definitely, definitely Gavin's work stands out as a cool thing. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, and, but the one cool thing because we put we posit this to our guests beforehand so that they're not too blindsided when they come on here. And you shared the most adorable thing. I think Gavin had or yeah, we have a clip. <laughs> Face timing with Puck and FaceTime well, yeah.
2: unavailable. I missed I missed that call. So that's my dog Puck. You can find him on Instagram at Little Pucker, and that's my wife Sarah. And I, I want to say that that's the dog imitating sarah but i'm not sure that it's not the other way around um but yeah it's, it's pretty funny often often while sarah was away for three months during the pandemic in canada and, and had had puck with her so every once in a while it's just it's just a good hilarious awesome thing every day that i answer the phone expecting it to be her and it's just it's just the dog that i'm talking to yeah
0: Oh, it's adorable. I, I feel a lot more connected having, I never used to do FaceTimes and it was so strange at first. I think you also know Tiana, another friend of ours, who's an actress and she just started out of the blue calling me and doing FaceTimes with me. I'm like, I'd be in the shower and so uncomfortable. I'm like, what do you expect me to do? Answer the phone right now? Because that's such not a thing that we do. We text and we do things that are so much more, um, time free that you know at your leisure you can respond people don't hop on the phone anymore so i found i was doing that again and it kind of changed my behavior with with technology which was kind of cool and even these apps you know we have been on uh clubhouse a lot and talking i love just having that other level of connection, being able to hear a voice, which offers so much more context in terms of communication because texts can be so, misconstrued. You really don't have too much context to go off of. So if you're trying to have, say, even an intimate conversation or a personal conversation or connecting with loved ones, whatever it is, you don't have that material to go off of. You have to fill in your own stories. And I think we've already established Kaylee has her own internal narrative that can spin off into stories that don't necessarily always serve her. So it's it's one thing to, I guess, again, a double-edged sword that, you know, great, you can connect with people, but having the wherewithal to find your own boundaries you know i've turned off notifications for a lot of my social media so i'm not constantly going oh, okay i should respond right now i need to that that obligatory sensation i don't know if you still feel that but you i think personally, Gavin, are probably being pulled in so many different directions right now, especially with the release of your film, because so many people are talking about it right now. Even I ping you into rooms where I hear people are talking about your yeah. film and you're just not, you know, online. I'm like, you should be here.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've kept, I, I don't, I don't have any notifications turned on at all. I don't even have the sounds for texting turned on. So it's when I check my phone, I I had to, you know, it's it's just so easy to become addicted and and waste so much time on screens. So I've turned off all notifications on, on desktop, laptop. I even have the the time, the clock turned off on my my desktop and my laptop. And I wish I could do it on my phone as well. I don't like working here and ever knowing what time it is. Like I set calendar reminders when I have appointments or have to be on a podcast like this, but it's um i i miss the quiet i like i really appreciate having grown up pre-technology but it's just it's too overwhelming i've, I've c- kept clubhouse notifications on for the last couple of weeks while i've been part of it just because it's new and exciting i'm just trying to learn how it all works but even that in the next week or so i'll probably turn all of those notifications off but yeah i i've you know i have a two two and a half year old niece i've never met so facetime is the only thing that i have to like keep in touch with her and and it is great like you're right i think the pandemic when life slowed down and people didn't have commutes to work or or their hours were reduced or or were or laid off unfortunately like i i definitely called more people like i have a handful of people that i call on a regular basis and not just text but yeah i definitely called more friends there was just a lot more time to kind of say i you know i i'm a little disconnected from some of my circle of friends and family and and can pick up the phone more often.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad that we're, I mean, you're a friend that I spend time on the phone with too, oh. and I love it. I'm, I also love that you're also just physically closer. And speaking of time uh, where we've been chatting now for about an hour, and I'm so grateful that you took the time to sit down and to talk to us about the projects that you have on the go, the way that you approach your work. Um, I know that we have we have plugs, we have places that people can find you, but maybe we can also, since it's a podcast and we're putting this out in audio (laughs) form, I would love for you to share where people can reach you or follow the work that you're developing.
2: I'm pretty easy to find uh, my website, gavinmichaelbooth.com. Instagram is at gavinmichaelbooth. At Twitter, it's just at gavinbooth. Facebook, you can find me. I mean, hit me up anytime. If you happen to watch Last Call, would love to hear what you think of it. Like, let, let us know. Um, The one thing that really helps indie filmmakers if you do watch the film, any indie film is go to Amazon and IMDb and leave a little review. It can be one sentence, it can be two words, it can be all the thoughts you have, paragraphs, Uh, Just getting reviews good or bad. I'm asking for honest reviews. I'm not asking you to skew the review in my favor It just helps the algorithm of keeping an indie film alive It's so hard to compete against all of the films that have big movie stars and big studios pushing them So those little little things for indie films go go miles
0: well, we just had someone from Sydney, Australia, who's checking in. So, again, really cool that we're on technology that takes us all around the world. And it really does help when people do connect and watch that material and give feedback. We would love to hear your feedback as well. Hello from Amsterdam. Oh, that's so cool. I all want to over the to world. Him. I love it.
2: Uh, so, you that's can what, find. That's what's been really interesting about uh, Clubhouse, is just chatting with. You know, I'm, I'm mostly just in filmmaker, writer rooms, creative rooms, but just hearing people's perspectives from all over the world is so eye-opening. It, I, and I feel like it's only going to help my own writing and directing to have that kind of worldly influence. Whereas I feel like Facebook and other social media, it tends to be a little more regionalized. Even though it is open to the world, I tend to only find people in in the same cities or, or countries that I'm in.
0: Yeah, and especially when you're trying to tell universal stories, it is so much appreciated when you do get that feedback from people who have grown up in different cultures to find uh-huh. universality. I love that. Oh, this is this is warming my heart and it's really cool. I'm loving the experience that we're now having this new thing that I did feel nervous about jumping into, but I mean, who, who am I kidding? I'm not doing any of the technical stuff. That's all Justin because he's a brainiac. but. I was so, I had that feeling that Justin and I were talking about before we hopped on here. Um, I asked him if he was nervous. He's like, no, are you? And I'm like, um, even though I've been on HAPS for a little while now, but I realized that that feeling that I have is because I care and I I love what we do. I love that we connect. I love that we tell stories. I love that people are so willing to come and share their stories with us, like you, Gavin, to share the work that you're well, look, doing.
2: I, I, I podcast in my spare time, but when uh, I, it's something I, I'm about to launch, but I I actually get nervous before each one because I want to do I just want to do a good job and I want I want to make it an interesting interview. So it's 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 always it's it's excited nervousness of, and it comes from a place of just wanting to do. Something if I'm gonna if I'm gonna ask people to spend time with me, I just want to make sure that it's 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 valuable and worth their time, and not just me uh, endlessly rambling. I suppose. So.
0: <laughs> hey, endless rambles are valuable, especially a year of isolation. I love the endless yeah.
2: rambles.
1: <laughs>
0: well, so you guys for- can. I- What's that, Justin?
1: It was so awesome hearing about the process of making Last Call. And I love that you really focus on mental health content. Like, it's hard to come by that. But obviously, because of this podcast, Kelly has introduced even just me to so much stuff that I would have never considered before. But thank you so much for being part of this and for making a film that I'm going to have to go watch now.
2: I, I appreciate that and happy to be here. Like, honestly... All indie films thrive by having having this sort of exposure, and it's, it's interesting. We've been able to raise some money for Canadian Mental Health Association with uh, with the film so far, and hoping that when the world returns and screenings return, we can do some more in the years to come with Last Call. So, it's been it's been incredibly humbling and exciting to have a film that has a message that can actually impact real communities and real people.
0: Yeah you've definitely impacted this kid and now that kid and now all these kids all around the world
2: (laughs) don't you you hate it when your friends films make you cry and and impact you that's the thing i hate the most i know them because then i get to call them up and swear at them about how they're not allowed to emotionally manipulate
1: me, but...
0: (laughs) Dude, when I walked out of that theater, so I got to see Last Call when you brought Mm -hmm. it up to the Royal Cinema, the Royal Theater here in Toronto, which is a lovely theater when it opens back up again. And if you guys find yourself in Toronto, go check out whatever they're playing, because they'll be likely playing something like Last Call. But watching that and, you know, being able to walk out with you and Sarah, I, I... My face was already destroyed. And for somebody who does not often find herself speechless, I was not ready to even find the words. It's strong. It is so impactful on so many levels, of course, narratively, of course, the performance, but being a one take film and all that being such an admirer of those technical difficulties and challenges. It's it was mind blowing i'm so excited to see where it goes and what you make next
2: um i'm sure you will hear all about it being a close friend
0: yeah (laughs) yes yes wink wink um guys with that gavin if there's anything else you want to mention before we start to wind down please
1: that's,
2: uh, that's it, I, I'm, I'm out of ideas.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's not true, but thank you again. Thank you to everybody who has joined us live. This has been so cool. So we're gonna continue to experience with this. Uh, you can also listen to us afterwards over on the Sonar Network. That is our network of podcasters that have a delightful lineup of other podcasts that some is uh, very comedy heavy with some local talent, especially in Toronto. So discover some of Canada that way you can find our social medias for we're totally not okay on Instagram, which is WTN underscore. Okay. And on Twitter, it's uh, uh, WT not So (laughs) head on over there. You can send us messages. Uh, Justin, isn't there also a way that they can send in voice recorded questions and comments?
1: You can, we have a, we, post things through a platform called anchor.fm and if you go to anchor.fm slash WTNOK um, you can actually send us voice notes that we will put in the next episode so be sure to check that out if you have follow-up questions or anything like that.
0: Thanks so much again guys we will see you next time. if you like this podcast you can support it by subscribing to it on itunes soundcloud stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts you can also leave us a rating or review which sincerely helps us and we absolutely love come hang out with us on instagram facebook and twitter and send us your questions recommendations and cool things at we're totally not okay at gmail.com thanks for listening to we're totally not okay but that's okay